We have been called like no time ever before to be true witnesses for God, amen. In season, out of season, no matter what comes, our God is great, he's good, he's sovereign, and he is forever. Again, I want to say from the very beginning, as we're going through this, and if any of this applies to you, please, there is no condemnation, amen. The Holy Spirit brings it so he, we can see it, we can agree with him, and he can help us through. I want to say what I'm going to end with is we're more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, amen not in ourselves, but in Christ Jesus. So be encouraged, be encouraged in this time. I'm going to go ahead and uh, get ready to uh, share my screen with you. Tonight, we're going to look at the grip. That's the forces of darkness on the individual, family, tribe, nation, nations of the world by looking at the lives of Saul and David. Now, what I want you to do is to go beyond just looking at the story and looking at King Saul and King David. Remember that the Bible is revealing who God is and know that God is greater and mighty. I want to say that there is no force or no power Power that is greater than our God, but yet there is a force and a power at work. Amen. I am not one of those that see a devil in every corner or a demon every under, under every bush. No, but I do know that we are more spiritual than physical, and the spiritual world is alive. God is spirit. And Jesus said we must worship him in spirit and truth. And we must become where we are individuals that, again, we know and we allow God to bring wisdom and understanding so that we are not walking in ignorance. God forewarned us. He said, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. The spiritual realm is real. And that spiritual uh, darkness is real as well. We look to, I believe, the purple, I'm going to say, ball at the uh, bottom. I want you to see that as we on the earth, God's people, right? And then this funnel or this tunnel is like the spiritual darkness that interferes between us and the blue and the white is heaven. It is where God is. This spiritual darkness, again, operates as a portal that is between us and God. And when we respond according to the will of God and the purposes of God, because we've surrendered ourselves unto God and we're walking upright with and in Jesus Christ, then, you know, again, we begin to do things God's way and to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives. But when we don't and we do it our way, and our way is we have a sinful nature, when we begin to murmur, grumble, complain, and even begin to find fault in God and what God does and all all of those things, then it goes into, again, this darkness, this force of darkness. It is an example, again, of heaven, darkness, and the earth. That's what I wanted you to see. Now, you may be asking yourself questions like, if God is so passionate for his people, why doesn't he just sweep it away and then pour out his spirit to fill the land? Well, here's some things you need to understand. Darkness is legal. The people of the land 
God has given them authority over the land and they do get to decide which kingdom will rule over the land. The people choose to invite him. And the him that I'm talking about in this instance is, is the kingdom of darkness and submit their authority to him. They enter a covenant with these powers and service altars to maintain its presence on the land. We're talking about wickedness. We're talking about lawlessness, whether it is personal, corporate, nation, tribe, tongue. Servicing of these altars are necessary for him, Lucifer, Satan, and the devil to continue to rule. And he does this with great deception. There is a wave of deception that's on the earth like never before. Satan, who is the God of this age, the world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And when I say those that don't believe, those who may even have the title of Christian, but don't believe that God is sovereign, don't believe that God is perfect and, and just in all of his ways and everything that he does. Those that are perhaps tossed to and from, those that want to argue and fuss in reference to what God's word says, because God's word says what it says, and that's exactly what he means. Amen. They aren't unable to see this glorious light of the good news. What's the good news? The good news is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, crucified, died, buried, and on the third day, he rose again. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. See, we must remember this to be a fact. See, once you, that's you and I, were dead because of uh our disobedience, and our many sins. So again, I changed it because I don't want to point it just at you, but it reads, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Saints, we must know again, they are real not because they are more powerful than our God, but to understand that we're in a battle. And that battle began in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. And when Lucifer was thrown out of heaven, in fact, before he was, the battle began. And when God created the heavens and the earth and he created man, we became an active participant in that battle. Amen. And again, Genesis chapter one and three, you can see that. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We were born with a sinful nature. And that sinful nature wants to run and rule supreme over God. It wants to reject obedience to God. It wants to reject God's will and God's way. Amen. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Ephesians 2, how do we overcome and realize that there is this um, forces of darkness? There is this grip of darkness that's over us, over our families, over our loved ones, over our city, state, nation, over the world. The first thing we must do is recognize the darkness. The enemy that you're fighting determines the weapons that you use. 
The way the enemy comes against you determines the way you must position yourself for the spiritual battle. Now there's three battlefields and we're gonna look at those. But when I talk about the weapons, I'm talking about the ones that God has given us. The Bible says that our weapons, you know, that he has given us are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. So they're mighty through God. In other words, the weapons that God has given us, they are mighty weapons. They're not uh, easy and they are undefeatable if we will use them. And there's such things as, again, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So we are to give God thanks and everything. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. And we do it how? In the name of Jesus. So we must have a heart of thanksgiving, praising God and worshiping him, no matter the situation and the circumstances. Amen. Now, here's a, a brief look at the three battlefields. There is the personal one, that's sin, then the carnal nature, spiritual blindness, spiritual woundedness. This one in particular, spiritual woundedness is the one that we're going to look at. Amen. At some other time, as God allows or deems it necessary, we'll look and go deeper into the other ones. There's physical infirmities, unholy soul ties, and idolatry. That's all under the personal battlefield. And those battles begin in our mind. And when we win them in our mind, because we have the word of God and we use that, we meditate on it, and we know that it is true, then we can defeat the enemy. Societal, uh, again, battlefields, religious deception, family defilement and desecration, economic activity, bad government, belief system, laws of the land, and then there's the territorial, and then the example is Mount Sinai and Peor, uh, Numbers 25, 1 and 15. In our comparison between Saul and David, you know, again, I want you to look at Saul because these forces that I'm telling you about, the enemy and the grip of darkness was present from Genesis chapter three, all the way through until, you know, Jesus and the final victory. Amen. So Saul had to deal with these things and they played themselves out and they display themselves in various ways. So I want us to take a look at this. This is again, where Saul has an encounter with Samuel. Samuel tells him what God is going to do, that God has plans for him and his family. Uh, I'm not going to read it all, but one of the things that is highlighted says, and I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. Now, pay attention to Saul's response, because his response is, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Now, we can initially look at that and say, well, he was humble. And because he was so humble, he said these things. No, what we're going to discover is again, the grip of darkness and the grip of darkness shows up in insecurity. It shows up in 
always convincing you that you're not worthy of God, that, you know, everyone is talking about you, you're less than this, and all of those things which are simply not true. Because here's the reality. Every single one of us was chosen by God, and he didn't choose us because of our super Christianness. He didn't choose us because of our super professionalness. He didn't choose us because of our, you know, prophetic uh, languages or our prophetic giftings that we're able to prophesy and all of those things. He didn't choose us because of our eloquent speech and our eloquent dress and any of that. No. Because we were all sinners and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. God chose us knowing everything about us and he chose us for his goodwill and his purpose. And here's the bottom line. He chose us and knowing that you and I would never be able to earn him choosing us. And we would never be able to deserve it. Amen. So, so God did it. And so with that, knowing that whatever God chooses to do and how he chooses to do it with us, amen, God has already given us greater and better than what we would ever deserve. See, the grip of darkness, Saul is identifying that he sees himself as less than others. And we're going to keep looking and I'm going to show you how that all uh, came to pass. Amen. Then continuing on in this, we see that, you know, I want you to go back to the book of Judges and in Judges 20, remember there is a prophet that is, he's from Ephraim and he's traveling and he ends up in the land of the Benjamites. And while he's there, him and his concubine, because remember his concubine had run away to her father's house. And after some time he goes and he follows her, he brings her back. He didn't want to stop in a foreign territory. He wanted to come back within the land and the people of Israel, they stand they end up going and staying in the land of the Benjamites. And before they could go to sleep, all of the men came and wanted to have sex with him. The old prophet tried to say no and that he had a daughter and the concubine and they could have their way with her, with them. And the um, he ends up, you know, the priest ends up throwing his concubine out there and they have their way with her all night. She ends up dying, all of that stuff. And long story short, as a result of what goes on, you know, he goes in, he chops his wife uh, into pieces and sends a piece to all the 12 tribes. And as a result of that, they come and they meet, they have a discussion and they decide that this could not and should not have happened anywhere in Israel. I want you to see that this is the grip of darkness. This is the forces of darkness that is working. The ones that rose up, the one to do what they wanted to do. And even the prophet and the priest who decide, the old man, the prophet and the priest who decide to that this is the answer, this corrupt wisdom to throw his daughter and his concubine out. And the concubine ended up forces of darkness, long story short. So anyway, after they decide, they go and they attack the Benjamites. The Benjamites ended up killing X number of the 
various tribes of Israel. And after the third time, they seek God. And when they seek God, then God tells them these particular things. Then all the Israel Israelites went up to Beth El and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. See, this is one of the primary ways and weapons that we can use against the forces of darkness. They also bought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant of God was in Beth El. And Phinehas, son of Eleazar and the grandson of Aaron was the priest and the Israelites asked the Lord should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again or should we stop the Lord said go tomorrow I will hand them over to you so that day the tribe of Benjamin lost 25,000 strong warriors armed with the swords 47 leaving only 600 men who escaped to the rock of Rimon, where they lived for four months. This is what this is what Saul is talking about when he is addressing his situation. I want you to think about this for a minute. And related to again the grip of darkness. By the time Saul is born. Benjamin numbers have increased from the 400 to what it was during that current time. But think about the legacy. Think about the history. Think about the stigma that it stayed with the tribe of Benjamin all of the time. Why? because this had never happened in Israel before, amen. Their tribe was nearly wiped out, left to 400 from the other tribes. The stigma of that, the stigma of you're not good enough. Oh, you're just the Benjamite. You know, you know those Benjamites, they, they did this, they did that. Those kinds of things stick because again, the grip of darkness is prevalent. The grip of darkness is there. And it's only through our literally surrendering, submitting to God and knowing that God has a plan, is a purpose. God is in control and giving ourselves to God and continue to know that our value and our worth is not found in ourselves. It's not found in our lineage. It's not found in our parents, our grandparents, or what side of the track we were born on. It is found in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. 1 Samuel 15 and 10. Again, see from this vantage point that Saul is caught up in this grip of darkness. He never fully gave himself to God. And as a result of that, then that force of darkness just got stronger and stronger and stronger in him. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made King Saul, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Saints, I want you to know that one of the forces of darkness, this grip of darkness leads us to disobedience. It leads us to not doing what God said. Now, Samuel was deeply moved when he heard this, that he cried out to the Lord all night. 
But if you know scripture, remember when we read it, Samuel was hurt, but Saul was not moved at all. He went on about his business. See, the grip of darkness blinds you. The grip of darkness desensitizes you to the things of God. The grip of darkness will cause you to believe even when you're in opposition to God, disobedient, that you're okay and you have done everything right. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? I cannot tell you again that insecurity, you know, um, self-consciousness or self talk, you know, that self-negative talk, putting yourself down and making you the brunt of every joke before someone else says anything about you. That's all signs of the grip of darkness. Amen. He says, are you not the leader of the tribe of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Again, grips of darkness, the grip of darkness had Saul convinced that he wasn't good enough, that, you know, again, he needed to appease the people. He needed to make sure that they stayed, um, they were happy and satisfied with what he was doing because he needed to fit and he would go along just so he could get along. Amen. But you know, God had equipped him in 1 Samuel 10, 6 and 9, going back so you can remember. Now, when he meets with Samuel, at that time, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. This is what Samuel had prophesied to him. And you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person after these signs take place. Do what must be done for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgad ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. Now, here's the part, because God had chosen him. So God had equipped and God was setting him up for success. Amen. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servants arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. Then the spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul and he too began to prophesy. Amen. What am I trying to show you is that again, God had prepared him. God was making him ready and equipped him for everything he needed to be the successful first king of Israel. But because of his insecurities, because of his low self-esteem, lack of self-confidence, our understanding that our confidence is in the Lord and not in ourselves, he kept looking to himself and to the people. That is a sign of the grip of darkness. And unfortunately, it's prevalent on the earth today in Christians because many of us 
go along to get along. We do not obey God. We, you know, compromise on the word of God and what God wants us to do because of these forces. The grip of darkness is real. The darkness and the ways of Satan are real. That's why God says, do what's right in his eyes, amen, according to his ways, because that's what keeps this grip of darkness from overtaking, from consuming us and entering and being a part of our day-to-day -day lives. The grip of darkness continues so much so that, you know, Saul, because he was jealous of David, David was was the one that would come and play the harp when the spirit, that evil spirit that had come upon him that would bring him peace and calm. But when he heard them singing a song about Saul and his 10,000, Saul and his thousand and David and his 10,000, he became jealous. He became envious. He became so much because of his insecurities that come from the grip of darkness. Say, Satan is the one that wants us to walk in insecurity, that wants us to walk in lack of self-confidence, low self-esteem, or the constant need of somebody to flatter us and to boost us up and to make us feel good about ourselves. That is that grip of darkness. That's that forces of evil. It is not. Because again, our confidence comes from the Lord and we know who we are. As a result of that, you know, he chases David because he's trying to kill him. David leaves. We fast forward to 1 Samuel 22, 6 and 8. Now, when Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered, Saul was seated spear in hand under the hermit tree on the hill of Gibeah with all of his officials standing at his side. And he said to them, listen, men of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give all of you fields and vineyards? See, the grip of darkness will make us believe that we have to um, you know, pay people or blackmail them or, or cause them in order to follow us, you know, make ourselves look better than everyone else and put everybody else down and constantly, constantly trying to feed our own self-esteem, our own ego, so on and so forth. Is that why you have conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. The grip of darkness had him so blind that he now he's suspicious of his own son and, and that hatred and that, that anger just continues to rage. Why? That's why the Bible says, that we ought to get angry, but sin not. Because when we get angry and it becomes a sin, we have connected with the grip of darkness. We have connected with the forces of darkness and it just gets worse and worse. If you notice, one of the things is Saul never genuinely repented and he never asked God to help him, to assist him. Do you ever see where he literally is worshiping God, where he's thanking God, he's praising God? In other words, the weapons of his warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down strongholds, but he never used them, so they never did him any good. Saints, let's not be that way like Saul. 
God has given us weapons. Let's use them. Let us not allow ourselves to go so deep in, you know, uh, again, feeling sorry for ourselves or complaining or saying it's not fair, it's not right, getting angry and upset with God that we lose sight of that he is the Lord, he's sovereign, he knows what he's doing. And the portal in Saul's case was opened over his lineage and portals have been opened over us, whether they were intentional or unintentional. But the way that they're closed is by our, again, the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Praise God, thank God, worship God, live God. Give your life unto God. Know that your life is not your own. It belongs to the Lord. And whatever he chooses to do with it, amen. He is God and it is good. None of you is concerned about me or tell me that my son has incited my servant to lie in wait for me as he does today. See, the grip of darkness will have you falsely accusing, blaming people, and as Saul was doing, trying to bring a guilt trip, you know, so they can feel guilty and feel shame and feel like they owe you something. Amen. But that's not the kingdom of light. Now, he then he sends for the priests and all every single one of them, amen. All of the priests and, and the servants of God. And Ahimelech answered the king because now he's brought them to where he is. And he said, he's trying to defend David because Saul is falsely accusing him of betraying him, of doing these things knowingly. That's what the forces and the grip of darkness does. It blinds you to all reason. It blinds you to everything. You don't have to answer me, but have ever been so angry that you do and say things and then you wonder after you finally come down, oh my, why did I say that? Why did I do that? It is that grip of darkness. Amen. Ahimelech answered the king, who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard and highly respected in your household? Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this affair. See, the grip of darkness will cause one, like Saul, again, to falsely accuse and see something wrong or everybody's out to get to get them or they're plotting against me. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, everybody's always talking about me. I've even had people say, well, I know what you're thinking about me. And I'm like, no, you don't. And who's everybody? That is the grip of darkness. And that's what was alive and well in Saul. And it continues on. The king ordered Dohi, you turn and strike down the priests. So Dohi, the Edomite, turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests, with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkeys, and sheep. 
This is the grip of darkness. And that grip is becoming tighter and stronger, tighter and stronger. Why? Because uh, the enemy, Lucifer, Satan, and the devil requires blood sacrifices. He still does from innocent men, women, children, boys, and girls. We see it in our current age and the things that are going on. Where does the grip of darkness lead you? It leads to the place where the enemy wants because what does he desire? His MO is to steal, kill, and destroy. His MO is to grip you in such darkness in his ways that you lose sight of who God is, his greatness, his majesty, his holiness, his faithfulness, his sovereignty, and you begin to look at your own way to figure out how uh, you can make things better, how you can overcome all of those things. Look, before Saul ends up dead on a battlefield, we know that he resorts to going to see a witch so that the witch can bring Samuel back and Samuel comes back to rebuke him. Amen. That is clearly the force of darkness. He didn't have a pattern of seeking God. He did not. He was going through the motion. God is not responding. So again, the forces of darkness, this grip of darkness, he says, let me go find a witch and talk to her. Amen. Fast forward again to 1 Samuel 31. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Geboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan, Abinadab, and Melshua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through it. Least these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore, Saul took his own sword and fell on it. In other words, he, um, in the grip of darkness, committed suicide. He did not pray. He did not seek God. He did not cry out for his mercy. He again fell prey. The grip of darkness is real and it is still active and alive today. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died within him. Now we are going to uh, look at uh, David. The comparison, the comparison. Did David face challenges? Absolutely. Did he suffer through some of the same things Saul did? Absolutely. And many of them were called, caused by Saul. But his response was different because David knew that the answer, that the solution, that who he needed was God. So he looked to God and he saw God in every one of his situations. He did not blame God. He did not accuse God. He didn't become angry, resentful, bitter, all of that stuff, unforgiving, unloving. He didn't do any of that. But praise be unto God that God who has promised he would never leave nor forsake us. When we rely, depend, and cling to him, 
he will be right there with us. Amen. Now the Lord said to Sammy, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. For find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these sons to be my king. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? See, he presented seven of them, but he has eight children. Do you see that David was not invited to come? So David, I know even when he was watching the sheep, he heard about it because this was a big thing and a great event happening in his father's household. Now, did the forces of darkness probably could have came in to try to convince him, but he knew who his God was and he knew who he was in his God. And it goes on. There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil, olive oil he had bought and anointed David to be king. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. The spirit of the Lord came on him. It is the spirit of the Lord that enables us to overcome the forces of darkness. All of us that have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says we've been sealed with the seal of adoption. And that seal is the Holy Spirit. So he is in us. And when we submit to God, then we can resist the devil. We are resisting the grip of darkness that is prevalent on the earth, but it will not and it cannot overtake you because the one that is greater, the one that is mightier is in you. When David's older brother, because David's brother puts him down, Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about these few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. See, his brother puts him down. David again could have felt rejected. He wasn't invited to the dinner with Samuel. Now his brother is speaking this way to him in public around other people, but because David knew his God. Saints is so important. We know our God because the wave of deception and the things that are coming are going to be greater, but they who know their God will be strong and do exploits. They who know their God will be like Job that will not speak ill of God and make foolish statements in reference to God and won't get angry and mad with God, but will know that God is good. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. David kills Goliath. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. 
There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. Now Saul and all of his army are hiding. He was the king and David says, and he can do it and he's going to do it in the name of the Lord. But because of the grip of darkness that has blinded Saul and he's thinking logically instead of thinking spiritually, he now comes and puts down David and, uh, you know, again, tries to persuade him he, why he can't do it, why he can't do it. You know, oftentimes other believers will do that as well. But that is the force of the, the grip of darkness, the forces of evil that can cause us, again, not to see that our God is all powerful, almighty. And anything God asks you to do, God is going to be with you to get it done. Amen. Glory be unto God. David replied to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword. He's talking to Goliath. Now, look at this, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to read it. I'm just going to talk about it. See, David didn't come with his spear. He didn't come with his javelin. He didn't come with a spore, but he came in the name of the Lord of the heaven's army, the God of the army of Israel, who you have defiled. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead body, your dead body, and that of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with, with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Amen. Saints, that's how we overcome the forces and the grip of darkness. Know who our God is and we proclaim, we declare, and we again stand firm in who he is. And then it goes on and we know that David ran. He was not deterred. He was not afraid because he knew it did not depend on him, but it depended on his God. Amen. Interesting thing is, again, continuing on after this, this is during the time where now Saul hates David, his jealousy, his insecurity, the grip of darkness is all out of check and everything is just going crazy and his jealousy so on and so forth and David has to escape because Saul has tried to kill him several times by now but here's the interesting thing is that you know again some commentaries believe that David was, you know, um, mistreated in his family that, you know, he wasn't the favorite child, the favorite son. There was a reason why he wasn't invited. But again, David didn't let that stuff affect him. See, the grip of darkness will cause you to want to blame everybody and, and find fault and get revenge and hate them and all of that. But David did not succumb to that. He surrendered and submitted his life to God. 
and he saw God in everything. And David now, when he goes and his parents come when he's now in hiding from Saul, his parents come, but he wanted to make sure that they stayed safe and he could protect them. So he went to Moab and asked the king there to please let his father and his mother stay there with him until he knew what God was going to do for him, till he knew, amen. See God in everything, that's the point. Saul did not, David did. David spares Saul's life in 1 Samuel 24, four and seven. Now, you know, his men were convinced that David had, God had given David the opportunity to kill Saul, but because David knew his God and he looked to God and he understood and he lived by the word of God, he remembered that God said, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. And David would not. David did not fear to the left or to the right. He stayed, stayed firm in his faith, his trust, and his belief in God. Amen. In uh, 1 Samuel 26, 8 and 12, he spares Saul's life again. Saul is in the middle. He's in the cave with, um, again, with his command, with the commander of his army uh, and with his soldiers all surrounding him, Abner, all of them, but yet they fall asleep. And when they fall asleep, David is able to go in and secure his spear in his water jug. But again, when one of his men tried to get him to kill Saul because he tells David that God has given your enemy into your hand. And David said, no, he would not uh, touch the Lord's anointing and he would not allow it to be done. See, that's the difference between being consumed by the grip of darkness, ensnared, entangled. You want revenge. You want to get back and all of those things, especially if somebody you think they've done something wrong to you. But when you know who God is and you're living your life for the Lord, then you know that Jesus told us in Matthew Matthew uh, chapter five, that we are to love our enemies, curse those who, uh, bless those who curse us, pray for those who despitefully use us, amen. When we do it God's way, then the grip of darkness has no hold on us. Going on, David is anointed king, amen, because God knew his plan and his purpose for David's life. And God was always working to bring that into fruition, amen. David always inquired of the Lord. He always sought the Lord. He always asked God and God always answered. And that's what you and I should do. I wanna go ahead and, and um, take you in and give you, I hope, a understanding of spiritual woundedness, amen. This is one of the most prevalent of personal darkness in the world. When we operate from woundedness, it is impossible to bring healing to others. It will only operate to wound others. What are the roots of woundedness? 
The first is lack of love. Do you have a difficult time showing and giving love to others? As I'm reading these questions to you, I hope you're meditating on them and you are answering them truthfully between you and God. Amen. If you want to talk about it afterwards, you can do that as well. Were you missing love in your childhood from your parents? Lacking the love from those who meant the most from our lives can often produce a deep wound in our hearts. Do you constantly need the approval and the validation of others? The second one is lack of protection and security. Did you see terror in your appearance instead of protection? Did you ever feel abandoned by them? It's a very painful experience when you feel vulnerable because someone who is supposed to protect us or protect you abandoned or betrayed you or us. Lack of forgiveness is another root of woundedness. Lack of forgiveness. Lack of healthy affirmation. We are all created to be affirmed. Were your parents quicker to give praise to your other siblings than to you? Did you lack compliments in your life? Did they praise others outside the home before they admired you? How do I know if I was wounded from the lack of one of these needs? Do you find it difficult to give away the very thing you are lacking? Do you find it difficult to love, protect, forgive, or affirm? Remember Saul. Remember King Saul and the things that he did. Amen. If you fail to receive the fulfillment of one of these basic four needs, you will experience rejection. Rejection is that feeling that lets you know that you did not get something you needed from someone else. Rejection is experienced in many ways. Perhaps you were an unwanted pregnancy. Your birth was not a rejoicing moment. You were abandoned by your parents, experienced child abuse. Your parents played the game of having a favorite child who was not you. Hurtful words, criticism, and judgment. What's yours? What's yours? See, the manifestation. And perhaps you don't have one anymore because you've already realized this and allowed God to do something about it. But if not, what's the manifestation and consequences of rejection? In you, it can be fear, shame, failure, a failure attitude, sadness, low self-esteem, anguish, depression, bitterness, or revenge. That can be the manifestation and the consequences. But here's the great news. God wants you to break the cycle of pain in your life. Your past is your past. God wants you to make a break from your pain. You are whatever is in your heart. You are. That's what Jesus said, that it's from our heart. It's not what goes into the body, but what comes out that defiles it. If you were to see your own heart, what would you call yourself? Bitter, happy, resentful, hurt, prideful, arrogant, joyful, or pain? You can't heal others unless you're healed. You need to be healed to be fruitful. Often you are a fruit of your past. 
but God has called you for his purpose. The tendency is to hide our inner wounds from others. What do we do when someone important is coming to our house unannounced? We clean up and put everything else in a secret room or closet for no one to see. We like to show forth our best to others while we still have a mess hidden in our hearts. The problem with this approach is that our private world will eventually have an impact in our public life. It's so important because again, things are going to come, trials, tribulations, pain and sorrow and difficulties. Yes, even as a Christian, amen. And as a result of that, will we be able like David to see God in all of his glory or will we see how unfair it is? See, here's the point. Satan does not want you to break this cycle of pain. He wants you to stay in the cycle so you won't be in the cycle of God's will. That's exactly what happened to Saul, amen, but not to David. So how does a disciple of Jesus break free from the grip of rejection? The answer is found in forgiveness. Forgiveness is when a person counsels the debt, Matthew 18, 27, whether it's an individual or with God, because the bottom line is God did not owe us anything, and he has already done exceedingly and abundantly above anything we could ask, think, and definitely more than we could have ever deserved. If someone has offended you or wounded you, you think that they owe you. They are seeking for the person who wounded them to pay them back. Therefore, people often seek revenge when they are wounded. But for those who have been greatly forgiven by God, ought to forgive as well. Matthew 18, 32 and 33. Remember Saul, remember Saul. We learn the Bible teaches us in so many ways. If we don't forgive, it only demonstrates that we really don't understand how much God has forgiven us. And therefore the Lord will not forgive those who don't forgive, Matthew 16 and 15. See, we are overcomers. In fact, we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Followers of the one God does not depict the citizens of this kingdom as conquerors, but as sons and daughters. The apostle Paul wrote this, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Despite the persecution, the pain, the suffering, and the trials of a broken world, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ become co-heirs with him in the kingdom of God, who will overcome death, and the grave through the blood of Jesus. And that's Romans 8 and 37. We are the light in the darkness. Now, subject to your questions, your comments, and your concerns. I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Amen. Absolutely powerful. I, um, I That was a lot, but so true. And um so true then and so true now and that power of darkness um such a clearer picture of of what we are we're dealing with right now mm -hmm. to know how much god loves us mm -hmm. is for me is that breakthrough when you know how much he loves you 
that's the breakthrough. That's for me. Amen. And what you said is so true because that's what made the difference in David's response and Saul's response. We can look and see that scripture is telling us that things weren't perfect in David's world when he was growing up either. Amen. But yet, because he had an intimacy, he had a relationship with God, and he knew, and he went on to write in his Psalms, his unfailing love endures forever. David saw God in the midst of all of that. And that's what kept him from taking revenge or coming to the place where he hated Saul. Think about it. When he finds out that Saul is dead, David and all of his men lament for Saul. I mean, he fasts and he sings this song of lamentation from Saul all day and would not eat anything. Now, how many people would do that for an enemy? David knew his God and he was allowing himself to become more like our savior, Jesus Christ. Because no greater love than a man who would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus never sinned, but he came, became sin for you and I. And I think that's what we have to remember when the things of life come and they are and they will, or maybe they have, but remember this, it's not so I can do all this self-help stuff and the world is full of selfishness and blaming my mama, my daddy, my sister, my brother. That's not it. But to see God is in it, God is in the midst. And because he loves me, he allowed me to make it through. And those things he used to help shape and define who I am like David so that it can be used for his glory. Amen. Anyone else? Thought, questions, and concerns? Amen. 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 I praise the Lord, saints. I really particularly love this story um, uh, about David and Saul. Uh, and one of, one of the lessons that I learned uh, from this is that uh, uh, Mama said something very, very important, very, very strong, that we are to let, that I am to let God fight my battles. But notice, Saul was a king and God fought his battles until he decided to be, to, to, to act in rebellion and unrepentant sin. I think that's the key there, unrepentant sin while David repented for his sins when he sinned against God. And see, both of them were God's servants. And when I see that, you know, it, it teaches me a lesson, you know, that uh, like God said here, he, he requires obedience more than sacrifice. And, and for me, when I, when I hear God telling me that, I hear him say, hey, listen, my son, you must continue to walk in obedience for my protection and my guidance to be manifest in your life, where you can say the words that mama just said, that let God fight the battles, and then he will fight those battles for you. Whereas if I walk in disobedience and willfully unrepentant to God, then God will not protect me for not you know, walking according to his will and, and, and willfully just being in rebellion to him. So yeah, there are two parallel, two, parallel, two um, uh, distinct differences here between Saul 
and and David that I see and and you know like Mama said Saul was able to really talk about God because of the relationship he 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 had with God and and and, and that's what today I was actually talking to my wife. And we were talking about how God really works. And I just marvel all the time how God works because if there is one thing that God loves to establish with his children is a relationship uh, with all of us. And we know that there are several relationships, brother to mother, father to God. But when I, when I, I mean, son to, to, to father, all these relationships, but when I see God establish a relationship with us, it's a relationship that, especially in this case, for, for me to realize that, he is a king, and at the end of it all, he gives the final order that we are to follow. Absent from that or in rebellion to that, I should not expect his protection, his guidance. He may be, God is merciful. He can decide to protect me and, and, and guide me, but I should be very careful to not walk in willful, unrepentant, and still say God is going to protect me. And God doesn't bless those who live in blatant rebellion. So that's the part that I really learned from here that really, really touched me because both of them sinned against God, but one had a, re had a repentant heart. He, he so desired to repent before God so that he could be right with God again. And it was his heart's desire. And uh, to me, that's a healthy relationship. When we're willing to, when we offend people, we're willing to say we are sorry and forgive as we have been forgiven. Amen. Amen. Well, Terrence, thanks for sharing that. And what goes along with that is, what it does is it breaks the grip of darkness. Unforgiveness is, again, uh, inter intertwines and causes you to be intersnared, to be snared into the grip of darkness, because that's of darkness. That's not of God. God is a forgiving God. That's why he tells us that we must forgive in order to be forgiven. God has given us weapons to defeat darkness. Amen. We must, in and through obedience, choose to use them. And when we do, then the grip of darkness cannot grip, cannot catch, cannot snatch us up. Amen. Anyone else? Comments, questions, concerns? I would like to say that I loved, oh, I'm sorry, this is Eleanor. I love to see the difference between Saul and David in black and white, because um, my thought has always been that Saul was just crazy, but the brokenness, the darkness, all of that, um, it was good to see that. I never thought about it that way. Amen. So I thank you for that. Amen. Amen. It is that he was, but all of those factors, because again, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Amen. Power with uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so uh, when we do not do it God's way, then we open ourselves up to other things. And I want to point out that that opening, when I talked about the portals, again, it can be because of someone else's sins or God says that the sins of the father go to the third and the fourth generation. It's like a river that flows, amen. But how do we overcome that? We overcome that by 
surrendering our lives to God and realizing that it is not and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us into God's holiness and his righteousness. Jesus died so that sin would no longer be able to hold us hostage and in bondage. Amen. He set us free from the taskmaster of Satan. Literally, he freed us from sin, not to sin. So in that freedom is where with the Holy Spirit, we have liberty and who the son sets free is free indeed. Amen. We get to make a choice every day. And that choice is to follow God or to follow our sinful nature. And then we end up following the evil one. We follow Lucifer, Satan, and the devil. Amen. We are more than overcomers. What I got from here was that um, although you think that you may have dealt with these things in the past, it's very easy for them to come back upon you. And so as you read the word and as you study it, you can see, and it really helps to go back and to make those, those adjustments in your life again, so that, um, as we were talking earlier about the layers of life, so those layers don't come back on and you don't begin to operate uh, under that grip of darkness again. Amen. Thank you, Deb. We appreciate that. Amen. Um, what she's talking about is that God had given me, has given me a teaching in reference to the layers of life and the things that happen. We put a layer on. It is the same as the grip of darkness because the grip of darkness functions through those various layers. Amen. And when we come to Christ, literally, and he washes us white as snow, God now is saying, take those layers off, that pain, that hurt, that resentment, whatever it was, take those things off. You are now free to be who you are in me. Amen. The grip of darkness can come so strongly against saints that we have to be careful because it will have us now blaming God for everything that's wrong in our lives. And he's not the blame. God, again, has always done and given us better than we ever could have earned and most definitely deserve. We are all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And when we give our lives to Christ Jesus, we are saying to him, it is no longer we who live, but you who live through us. That's why the Bible says, pick up your cross and follow him. That's a daily, daily thing. Are we going to be tested? Yes. Are you going to be tried? Yes. Uh, is persecution coming? Yes. Tribulations? Yes. But the greater one is in you and with you. Amen. Anyone else? Comments, questions, concerns? Well, I was uh, just what Deb was talking about and, and um, God bringing things. Um, you can just be going on about you doing whatever and God brings something to your remembrance. Um, and you're not even aware of um, something that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And then he, 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 he brings it to you that you have to address. And I know that it's nobody but him because he, he wants you to be aware 
this really is what you're feeling. Now I need you to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I had it happen to me probably about a month ago. And I, it was, it was so real. I mean, it was so, it's just, I was like, you know what? I never even thought about how, I, I think I, it was buried. Mm-hmm. And when he brought it back to me, I had to deal with it. But I thank God for that because it allows, it allows him to cleanse you um, to a, a releasing of whatever it is that has a hold on you. But um, yeah, when she said that, that's, I thought about that because um, you don't even realize it. You're going about your life and don't realize I, I am still feeling this, or I'm still holding on to this, and I did not even realize it. Amen. 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 Thank you for sharing that, because again, the grip of darkness is real, and we don't realize the tug that it has on us. You know, even when we say, Well, I've forgiven someone. And, you know, if I, I've forgiven them, but someone mentioned their name and something just kind of like, oh, in me, I was like, oh, Lord, what was that? And he said, could you have it? Now, come on, let me deal with that because see that grip of darkness becomes progressive. Do you not see that in Saul? It became progressive to, he didn't even think twice about killing God's priests because he's so out of control and insecure, his jealousy and all of that stuff and wanting to destroy David. He did not really, these are the priests of the Lord. And saints, here's the thing that we need to understand. That is the enemy and the enemy does want the priests destroyed. Why? Because they are, you and I are the priests of God. And we're living at a time where the truth of God's word wants to be the, the world and wickedness, evil wants to annihilate him, his word and us off the face of the earth. Amen. Off the face of the earth. But when we can stand firm and know who we are in Christ, we will continue to speak God's word and then do what he says in the book of Revelation 12, where we know we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives even unto death. Amen. And no matter what you do, you are not going to cause me to become bitter and angry and all that. Do we have our moments? Yes, but we are to process them through God and with the help and by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you read the scripture, you can read it from this vein and see the grips of darkness. Even when you look at Naomi and Ruth, Naomi got caught up by the grip of darkness, but Ruth, for whatever reason, being exposed to God through her mother-in-law, never allowed that grip of darkness to overtake her. She didn't become bitter and angry because her husband died, because she was barren when he died, because she didn't have any children. She was leaving everything and everyone she knew. Now she's going to walk in the fields. She knew and her, God rewarded her for that. Amen. Again, see God in everything. And know that God is for you. He's not against you. God desires for that cycle of pain to be broken 
so that we can enter in to the cycle of his will and fulfill his destiny for our lives. This was really a good, good lesson. But what struck me is, is that today has been a day when I've been telling my mom that we're overcomers. And then here you are <laughs> giving a message and saying just exactly what God has already said to us. Mm -hmm. So good confirmation. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are more than overcomers, more than overcomers. And we must, again, know that, know that every single day. Remind yourself of you are more than an overcomer. Why? The wave of deception, saints, is such that we are, that's coming is one that we have never seen before. And if we're not grounded and rooted and allow God to do the work in us that must be done, then we are not going to be able to stand and resist. In fact, the Bible tells us that God says that he is going to give us over to the enemy, amen. He is, but not so that we can lose hope and lose faith, but so that again, we who cannot be shaken, cannot be deterred, that cannot will continue to stand and they who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Amen. The grip of darkness is real, but our God is greater, mightier, and he is for real, for real, for real. Amen. So Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the time that you've given us. We thank you for the revelation of your word. God, I pray that even after we are depart one from another, but not from you, you will continue to take us deeper in understanding. Help us, Lord God, to see ourselves. We live in a world where, like in the Garden of Eden, when you came and asked Adam, what has he done? He pointed the finger at Eve, and Eve came up with an excuse, but God, what you were simply looking for was to identify that they may repent so that you could help them in that situation, building them up, strengthening them. It's the same thing it is with us. To keep them from entering in and going deeper into that grip of darkness. But we can see by chapter four, Lord God, that with Cain, you even asked him after he gave that offering that was unacceptable. You said, why has your continence changed? Sin is knocking at your door. You must overcome it or it will overcome you. Father, the grip of darkness, give us eyes to see, ears to hear. As we open our heart and extend it unto you, as we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and might. And as you have called us to be true witnesses for you in this season and this time, as you have called us to stand for truth, Lord God, and not to bow a knee to any idol or anything, but to trust and believe you every step of the way. I pray that you would do so with every family that's represented here, every person, Lord God, you would strengthen them and that, again, God, the things that you highlight, if there are any, we would come into agreement knowing that you will come and heal, that you will wash, cleanse, and make us white as snow as you strengthen us 
in our character, as you strengthen us in our ability to fight the good fight of faith for the glory of you in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your night. Bye-bye. Amen. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.